in our lives. And so we have to understand that the authority we have is in the name, the person of Jesus Christ. And through this authority, we have the right to evict any contrary spirit that is trying to harass, trying to hinder, and trying to render us helpless. Now, I shared with you that the word for cast out, ekbelo, ekbalo rather in Greek, it means to thrust out, to drive out, or push out. The word conveys the idea of being thrust out even by violent means if necessary. Why did Jesus use such a strong term when referencing believers casting out demons? Because he wanted us to understand that spiritual warfare is a serious business. The adversary, the devil that we're contending with, that we have a battle against in the spirit world, he is serious in his attempt to carry out his mission against us. And what is his mission? Jesus told us, the thief comes to steal kill and destroy. The devil is determined. He has a mindset that is set on stealing, killing, and destroying. But we don't have to live in fear. We don't have to live bound by a spirit that makes us paralyzed and immobilized. We have the name that is above every name. The name of Jesus. And that name represents the person of Jesus. And when Jesus, when we look at the Gospels, walked on this earth, He he faced multitudes of different types of spirits, including one called legions that speaks of thousands of spirits that inhabited one man. But Jesus, in one moment, drove out that legion of spirit to say, it doesn't matter how many of them are against me, I'm greater than all of them put together. Woo! So today we're going to deal with this spirit of fear. Now, there was a man who had been visiting a therapist because he had fear of monsters living under his bed. Now, anybody as a child ever have that fear? If you were growing up in a Latino household like me, you were ingrained to fear, right? Because when you misbehave, what did mama do? She would threaten you. Ahí está el policía. Ahí está el hombre, policía, te va a agarrar. Or the cucuy. Anybody hear of the cucuy? The cucuy is going to get you if you don't behave. Or anybody hear of la llorona? Anybody? Come on, don't leave me hanging. La llorona, she's going to come and get you. You know, all parents would ingrain that in us. And so we had a predisposition to fear. So this man goes to his doctor, and he's talking about the fear of monsters under his bed. And for months he would go. And every time he would come to his doctor, this therapist, the therapist would ask him, Have you made any progress? And the man would respond by saying, No. Then the man decided to go and see another doctor, another therapist, when he went back to his original doctor, the original doctor asked him the question, Have you made any progress? And the man said, uh, Yes, I am feeling better now. The doctor asked, Well, what happened? The man said, I went to the other doctor, and the other doctor cured me in one session. The doctor asked, well, What did he tell you? The man said, He just told me to cut off the legs from the bed. <laughs> You see, just like that, 
The answer for your deliverance and my deliverance is simple. It's in a name. That name is Jesus. I don't care what your ailment is. I don't care what your struggle is. I don't care what your addiction is. I don't care what the hurt is. I don't care what that unhealthy habit is. I don't care what that unhealthy hang-up is. The name above every name, Jesus, represents the one who came. And when he walked on here, the Bible says, He healed all manner of sickness and disease. He drove out all type of evil spirit and through his sacrifice on the cross he shed his blood that can wash away any sin from your life. Jesus is the answer. Jesus is the deliverer. Jesus is the redeemer. Jesus. Woo! Now, true story. True story. There was a lady who died in 1916. Her name was Hetty Green. Hetty Green. She has been called America's greatest miser. You know what a miser is? A tightwad, okay? In Spanish, godo. They need WD-40. They have a hard time. So, when she died, watch this, in 1916, her estate, was valued at 100 million, 100 million. But she was so miserly that she ate old, a cold oatmeal, you know why? In order to save the expense associated with heating water. That's how tight she was. And then when her son had a severe leg injury, she took so long trying to find a free clinic to treat him, that his leg was amputated because of advanced infection. Why did she do this? Fear of losing her wealth. So fearful of losing her wealth, she could never enjoy it. And there are believers like that, that are so bound by the spirit of fear, they can't enjoy the life that Jesus made possible for them to experience because of fear. And here's what I've discovered. Living in fear is irrational. It's illogical. Fear destroys your confidence in the Word of God. Fear allows the devil to gain a stronghold in your life. I read this past week of statistics associated with fear and worry from the U.S. National Institute of Mental Health. These came out on September 4th of 2016. And these stats said the following. Percentage of things feared that will never take place, 60%. Percentage of things feared that are considered to be insignificant for you, 90%. Percentage of things feared in relation to health that will never happen, 88%. Think about it. So why are we so fearful? It's not just because humanly we have a predisposition maybe of because of our personality, our wiring to be anxious or fearful. In some cases, it's because there's a spirit of fear that has Gain access 
through an open door in our lives. And that fear, that spirit of fear now seeks to bind us. That spirit of fear seeks to intimidate, manipulate, and dominate our lives. God's people can become prisoners of war in this warfare. You know how? God tells us how. It through Isaiah the prophet. My people are destroyed because of what? Lack of knowledge. In Isaiah as well, it says, my people are led in captivity because of lack of knowledge. But the moment you discover through reading the word, through meditating on God's word, that God did not save you to remain enslaved, but God saved you to deliver you to freedom. And the moment you discover that you have authority in the name of Jesus Christ, it's the moment that the enemy's ability to intimidate, manipulate, and dominate you begins to be broken. So I want you to understand, if you have put your faith in Jesus Christ, then today it is your right to serve the eviction notice on the spirit of fear and say, fear, you can't live here anymore. Fear, you can't live here anymore. Fear, you can't live in my body anymore because I'm redeemed. I've been bought. I've been delivered through the blood of Jesus Christ. The spirit of fear. Now, we see this spirit identified in 2 Timothy chapter 1. Paul writing to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 6 and 7. And I'm reading out of the New King James, 2 Timothy 1, 6 and 7. Paul writing to Timothy says, Therefore I remind you to stir up the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Now watch this. The word that... Paul uses for fear. Delia. Delia is a Greek word. In extra biblical literature, this word referred to one who flees from battle. It referred to one who flees from battle. And has a strong sense referring to cowardice. Cowardice. What I want you to see in contrast is that boldness, not cowardice, is a mark of the Holy Spirit filling a believer's life. Proverbs 28.1 says, The wicked flee when no man pursues, but the righteous are bold as a lion. When you're filled with the Spirit, you're not only filled with His presence, He also fills you with boldness, with courage. When you read Acts 4.31, some of the people that were filled in Acts 2, we're filled again in Acts chapter 4. And Acts 4.31 says that then they spoke the word of God with boldness. When the Spirit fills you, you are not timid like a mouse. You become bold like a lion. Not because of who you are, but because of who is in you now. When the Spirit fills you, He gives you a courage. He gives you a confidence so that instead of running from the battle, you run to the battle like David. Because you know I'm not coming in my name. I'm coming against you in the name of the Lord of hosts whom you have defied. In His name I will prevail. Woo! Now, when Paul wrote 2 Timothy, he's writing to Timothy, who is now undergoing different set of circumstances. In 1 Timothy, Paul is writing to Timothy to help him build structure and organization because 
Timothy is pastoring a growing church. The church of Ephesus was growing. But when Paul writes 2 Timothy, now Timothy is pastoring a declining church. And why was it declining? Because the persecution through Nero was being intensified. Now, Paul had experienced not one, but two imprisonments because of his commitment to the gospel and for standing up to Jesus, for Jesus. And now, he's now in his second imprisonment. In his first imprisonment, he was basically under house arrest. And he had a lot of freedom. People, his friends could come and visit him. And he didn't really have any much restrictions. But now, when he's writing Second Timothy, he's actually now in prison in a dungeon with little liberty. And he knows that his time is at hand. That's why, at the end of Second Timothy, chapter 4, he talks about, I have run the race. I have stayed the course. I have kept the faith. He knew his time was at hand. Nero was about to exterminate him. He knew his day of death was coming. And it was that understanding that caused him to write Second Timothy to Timothy in order to encourage him not to stop working for the Lord. Not to give up in his calling that God had given him. That's the context. Now, why would he tell Timothy not to be afraid? Because if you study the life of Timothy, Timothy seemed to have a proclivity or a personality that was bent towards timidity. In fact, I would call him Timothy the Timid. Why do you say that, Pastor? In 1 Timothy 4.12, Paul wrote this to Timothy. Not to the church in general, but to Timothy directly. He said, don't let anyone think less of you because you are young. Be an example to all believers in what you say, in the way you live, in your love, your faith, and your purity. He's directing those words directly to Timothy. Why? Because Timothy was being intimidated. By those that were more advanced than him in years. And then he could have been timid because of his personality. In 1 Corinthians 16.10, 1 Corinthians 16.10, Paul writes, When Timothy comes, don't intimidate him. He is doing the Lord's work just as I am. Now Paul tells the church of Corinth, Hey, I'm sending Timothy, but please take it easy on him. Look how it reads in the New King James. And if Timothy comes, see that he may be with you, notice, without fear. For he does the work of the Lord as I also do. So Timothy was by nature timid. And if he gave room to his timidity, it could cause him to act out of not courage, but cowardice. And that is why Paul reminds Timothy of what God hasn't given us and what God has given us. In verse 7, he tells him, For God has not given us a spirit of fear or timidity or cowardice, but God has given us a spirit of power, love, 
and a sound mind. I want you to understand today that it could be a spirit of fear has been haunting you. And we've got to address this spirit because of what fear does. What does fear do, Pastor Angel? Fear will cause us to become passive and inactive. That's why he told him prior to verse 7 and verse 6, he told him, he tells him this, he says, stir up. Stir up the gift of God that is within you. Why? Because the gift was becoming dormant. Why? Fan into flame the gift. Why? Why was, why, why was he needed to be told, hey, 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 the embers of your passion of, uh, and the, of the utilization of your gift are beginning to die out. Why? Because he was now being gripped by fear. But Paul says, stir it up. Stir up the gift. You are not called to be passive and inactive. You're called to mobilize. You're called to march forward. You're called to lead God's people forward, Timothy. Stir it up. Stir it up. And I've come to tell somebody, it's time to stir up what God has given you. Because the moment you start to fan into flame the gift that God has given you, the fire on the inside of you will devour the enemy in front of you. I'm telling you, this fire is greater that God has placed in you than whatever is against your life. Whew. Why, 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 pastor, do we need to address this spirit of fear? Because fear paralyzes us. Fear paralyzes us. And as I said earlier, fear punishes us. Fear has torment, First John says. And then fear, fear puts us in panic mode. Anybody ever been in panic mode? Oh, I've had to deal a little bit with panic mode the last couple of days. You know why? Come tomorrow, I got to go see my tax man. So I'm like, where's this receipt? Uh, Where's this? Uh, I'm getting everything right now in order. Panic mode. Anybody else been in panic mode? Raise your hand if you have. The rest of you, you need to get up here. You lying in church. We've all experienced panic. (laughs) We've all experienced panic in our lives. Now, uh, but God, through Paul, reminds Timothy of what he's been given. The spirit of power. I want you to say dunamis. That's the Greek word for power that he uses there. And it's the word from which we get our English word dynamite, dynamite. It speaks of explosive power. It also speaks of inherent power. It also speaks of a power that reproduces itself. This is why when Paul writes to the church of Rome, he tells them in Romans 8.37, In all these things we are more than what? Conquers through him. You know what he was saying? That even after you fought one battle, you don't have to fear that you won't have the strength to fight another battle if another battle rises. He says we are more than conquerors. Why are we more than conquerors? Because it doesn't matter how many battles I face in a day, I can fight every one of them and win everyone over every one of them. Why? Because I have a power on the inside that doesn't wane. A power on the inside that doesn't diminish. A power that's always at optimum, maximum level in the person and presence of the Holy Spirit. I want you to understand, believer, the devil is a liar. He's been telling you, you're not going to be able to make it. You don't have the gumption. You don't have the strength to make it through. But you got to remind him, devil, you're wrong. I have someone on the inside who never grows weary. I got someone on the inside who never gets tired and who empowers me to overcome whatever battle is before me. Woo! God has given us a spirit of power. It is the ability to accomplish whatever he calls us to accomplish. And then, watch this though, not only a spirit of power, but he says love, agape, which is volitional love. Love is not an emotion, love is a decision that sometimes is accompanied by emotion. But primarily love, God's love is a decision. It's a decision. 
Love is a decision. Now watch this. It's interesting that he follows up power with love because this tells us a lot about the power he has given us. Many think of power in terms of how we can control others. But Jesus' power is expressed in how much we can love and serve others. Mm -hmm. In fact, John tells us in John 13, on the night before the cross, he tells us in John 13, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands. What did he do with that power? John tells us. He washed his disciples' feet. Knowing he had that all authority had been given to him of the Father. He had the power. What did the CEO of the Kingdom of God Enterprise do? He utilized his power to love and serve his disciples. And then, not only is it a power of a spirit of power of love, but then it says a sound mind. And a sound mind is a disciplined mind. The ancient Greek word here had the idea of calm, self-controlled mind, in contrast to the panic and confusion that rushes in when you're in the middle of a fearful situation. Now watch. In Mark chapter 4, the disciples were told by Jesus, let us go to the other side. And so they get in a boat on the Sea of Galilee, and they're proceeding on this journey that, that Jesus had instructed them to take with him to the other side. But you know what happened in the middle of their journey. A storm rises, right? And what happens? They begin to get in panic mode. And what did they ask Jesus? They told him, don't you care that we are perishing? Now, I told him in Cutler, that's one of those moments when you want to go, hello, the one you're asking, don't you care that we're perishing, is in the boat with you. If he didn't care, I don't think he would be in there with you knowing that he knew, because he knew all things, that a storm was going to rise. You'd think, he'd be, oh, no, guys, I just want to go down with you. I'm down with you guys. All the, you know, I'm really down. <laughs> but that's what fear does. Now watch this. In Mark 4.40, Jesus gets up. You know the story. He rebuked the storm. It calmed. But then he said this. Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? The Spirit-Filled Life Bible footnote points out this. Jesus contrasts fear with faith and equates, watch this, fear with no faith. And it points out that faith here means, watch, trust in God's helping power in crisis. A help that is both active and present. A help that is both present and active. I love it. And this word for faith, it's a Greek word that has the idea of a divinely implanted principle of inward confidence, assurance, trust, and reliance in God and all that he says. What was Jesus saying to these disciples that just woke him up, questioning his care of them? He said, why are you so fearful? Why don't you have any faith? What was he saying? Hey, guys, just like you chose fear, you could have chose faith. 
Just like you chose fear in this crisis, you could have chosen faith. And Jesus is revealing a key. The way to conquer fear is faith. Faith in what? Faith in God. And so I'm going to equip you right now through the word of how to deal with fear the next time fear comes to your mind, your heart, your life. Psalm chapter 56, verses 3 and 4 and 10 and 11. Psalm 56, 3 and 4, 10 and 11. The psalmist writes, whenever, say whenever, whenever I am afraid, I will trust in you, in God. Notice, I will praise his word. In God, I have put my trust. I will not fear. What can flesh do to me? Then he says, in God, I will praise, halal, his word. In the Lord, I will praise, halal, his word. In God, I have put my trust. Notice, I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? Did you catch it? He said, whenever I am afraid. But then he concludes by saying, I will not be afraid. Did you see that? Whenever I am afraid, I'm going to do this. And then he says, I will not be afraid. How do you go from being afraid to not being afraid? He tells us, begin to praise God with what? His word. Uh-huh. How many of you want to change the script? Then go to the scripture and look at what it says of who God is and what he has promised. And the next time fear raises its ugly head in your mind, and your heart, talk to it. And say, fear, you bring torment. But my faith in God reveals through his word that I do not need to be punished by you anymore. Because the Lord is my help. The Lord is my high tower. The Lord is my fortress. The Lord is my refuge. The Lord is my rock. He's a rock that is higher than I. The Lord is is my defense. The Lord is my shield. The Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my strength. The Lord is my song. Fear, you have no right to rule. What happens? When you shift, you shift your focus from your problem unto his promise based on who he is, his person. What happens is then his power shows up in the middle of your battle and his power dispels fear because light is always greater than darkness and I'm encouraging you today. Don't let fear have the last word, but speak to your fear in the name of Jesus and praise God in the middle of your fear, reminding yourself that my God is for me. He said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. My God has declared, I am your shield and I am your great reward. You don't stay silent in the middle of the fear. You speak to it. You praise God. And when you praise Him, His power comes and fills you anew. So what happens when I choose faith over fear? Isaiah tells us, God will demonstrate his greatness in my weakness. Watch this. Isaiah 41, 14 through 16, fear not, God says. Notice how he addresses Israel. He says, fear not, you worm. (laughs) Jacob, you men of Israel, I will help you, says the Lord. 
and your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. Watch this. Behold, I will make you into a new threshing sledge with sharp teeth. You shall thresh the mountains and do what? Beat them small and make the hills like chaff. You shall winnow them. The wind shall carry them away and the whirlwind shall scatter them. You shall rejoice in the Lord and glory in the Holy One of Israel. Do you see what God said? I'm going to turn you worm into a weapon. And as a weapon, I'm going to use you not just to move the mountain, but to Thresh it down so that what's before you, tall and strong, begins to be leveled. And I'm going to remove it through working through you if you choose faith over your fear. Get a hold of this. I don't know if you get this. Anybody ever been bullied? Let me tell you. I don't know if he's still alive, but if you're still alive, Ronnie, I'm sorry. I, when I was at Sequoia Elementary School, I was in third, fourth grade. And Ronnie, I won't give you his last name. Um, he was like this supposedly hipster guy, and he, you know, he thought he was all that. And, and, and I remember we were out in the, in, the, in the pavement, you know, they had the four square uh, box and you know you and so anyway there was Alvin Lindsay now Alvin I gave you his whole name because Alvin needs to be given props Alvin was this tall lanky guy you know and Alvin was just a happy go lucky and I liked Alvin but Ronnie he smelled fear and he liked to every once in a while on the playground remind everybody man okay so one day. Ronnie got upset at Alvin. And boy, we were just like blown away by what happened. Ronnie gets up to Alvin, pushes him. Says, hey! And again, pushed him. Then, Alvin. Anybody seen Back to the Future? When he curled his fist, and I'll never forget this. Next time Ronnie came at him, Alvin just turned. And Ronnie went. And we all went. And we just couldn't believe it. Because after that, Ronnie left like with his tail tucked between. And we're like, that's all. I remember a few weeks later, we were in class, and Ronnie got upset at me. He said, I want to see you after school. That alley out there. Okay. Alvin. So I showed up. Ronnie didn't show up. So the next day I was like, what happened? Because I, I just didn't want to mess. Okay. I'll be there any time. After that, nothing. And I owed it to Alvin. Why do you tell that story, Pastor? Because that's what you got to recognize. 
Fear can only dominate you to the degree that it makes you think that it's more powerful than you. But it's not. And God is saying, I'll make you the worm a weapon if you'll put your faith in me. And one more, one more. You ready for one more? Say, I'm ready. God will keep me safe and secure. Watch this, by his ability through any difficulty. God will keep me safe and secure by his ability through any difficulty. Watch this. I love this again in Isaiah, Isaiah 43, 1 and 2. He says, but now, thus says the Lord who created you, O Jacob, and he who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by your name. You are what? You are mine. And then he says, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you and through the rivers. They shall not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, nor shall the flame scorch you. Wow. God is saying, no matter what you go through, you're mine. I've got you. But notice what he's not saying. I will not allow you to go through rivers. I will not allow you to go through fires. He says, when you go through them, I will be with you. You're going to get through what you're going through, child of God. Because you're not alone. God's with you. Doesn't mean you're not going to go through the water, through the fire. Doesn't mean you're not going to go through temptation, trial, tribulation. Doesn't mean that you're not going to experience affliction, adversity. But you're going in the water not to be drowned in the water. You're going in the fire not to be burned in the fire. You're going to experience it, but you're going to go through it. Oh, I want you to get a hold of it. God's promise to you is that whatever you're in the middle of right now, it's not your permanent address. You need to tell the devil, devil, you're a liar. If you're planning to send me a letter, don't send it here. You might as well send it over there because that God's going to get me from there, from here to there. His promise is I'm not staying here. I'm not stuck here. I'm not paralyzed here. I'm not permanently stationed here. He's getting me through. I'm not alone in this. Therefore, I'm going to make it through what I'm going going through. Do not fear. Whatever you're going through, I want you to understand. You don't have to be afraid. You don't have to let fear punish you. You don't have to fear. let fear intimidate you and say you've got no better days to look forward to. That's a lie from the pit of hell. You've got days of glory ahead for you, child of God, because God's going to get you through what you're going through. And so these, the early American Indians, they had a unique practice of training their young braves. On the night of a boy's 13th birthday, after learning hunting, scouting, and fishing skills, he was put to one final test, and here was the test. He was placed in a dense forest to spend the entire night alone. Until then, he had never been away from his family or his tribe. But on this night, he was blindfolded and taken miles away. And then... When he took off the blindfold, he was in the middle of of thick woods, and he was terrified. Every time a twig snapped, he visualized a wild animal ready to pounce. After what seemed like eternity, dawn broke. The first rays of sunlight entered the interior of the forest. Looking around, the boy saw flowers, trees, and the outline of a path. Then, to his utter astonishment, he beheld the figure of a man just standing a few feet away. 
armed with bow and arrow. It was his father who had been there throughout the entire night watching over his son. And Psalms 121.4 says of God, He who keeps Israel will never slumber nor sleep. God has his eye on you. You're going to make it. You don't have to be afraid. He's got you. He said, you're mine. You're mine. (sighs) Isaiah tells us in Isaiah 41.10, God through Isaiah says, fear not. Why? For I am with you. Be not dismayed. Why? For I am your God. Then he says, watch this. I will strengthen you. I will help you. And I will uphold you with my right hand of righteousness. The word strengthen means to reinforce. And sometimes through our circumstance, the pressures of our circumstance, it's like our life is giving way. But God says, don't worry. I'm going to come and reinforce that area where you feel you're weakening in. I'm going to strengthen you there. I'm going to reinforce. But then he says, I will help you. Alzar, the Hebrew word, means to surround, to protect, to aid. I'm going to surround you. And then watch this. He says, I will uphold you. But in this same chapter, if you go down to verse 13, he says this. For I, the Lord your God, will hold your right hand, saying to you, fear not, I will help you. Now, if you don't know it by now, I have an eight-month-year-old grandson. His name is Daniel Jaira. I call him Smiley because he loves to smile. He's Smiley. El Smiley de Daina. Now, he's already turning. and he's, I mean, this guy's got some strong legs. and he's, he, I, I, I'm believing he's going to be walking pretty soon. But here's the thing I'm going to do. When he's with me, there's going to be times I'm going to have him by the, by the, by the hand. And you know what I know? There's going to be times that while I'm holding his hand, he's going to slip. He's going to trip. But you know what? He's going to be safe and secure. Why? Because I got him by my hand. Here's what I want you to know. The Bible says the steps in Psalm 37, 23 and 24. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. But then it says, though he stumble, yet he will not be utterly cast down. Why? Because the Lord holds him. Some of you are being lied to by the devil. He's saying, oh, you might as well give up because your hand, your grip is slipping. Your hand, it's loosening. You can't take it anymore. But you got to tell the devil, my safety, my security, my strength is not found in the grip of my hand but it's found in the grip of the hand of the one who has me in his hand I want you to understand today you're going to get through because your heavenly father oh Jesus said he's greater than all and he said and you're in the palm of his hand fear is a liar I said, fear is a liar. Father, I thank you that right here, right now, we have authority in the name of Jesus to drive out fear. And we will do it today. 
I come against that spirit of fear that has been punishing, that has been tormenting. I come against that spirit of fear that has made people feel like I can't. I'm not qualified. I'm not gifted. I come against that lie. For for every child of God, your word tells us that you've gifted each one. Today we're going to stir it up. We're going to fan into flame what you've placed, what you've deposited in us. We're not going to let the fear intimidate us, manipulate and dominate us anymore. Uh Uh-uh. Those days are over. Today, fear loses its hold on your mind, child of God. Because you're going to praise God through His Word for who He is and what He's promised you. And today, we're going to boldly declare that name. And I believe that as we declare the name of Jesus today, fear is going to be broken. I really do. Fear is going to be broken. Fear of failure is going to be broken today. Fear of your future is going to be broken today. Mm. Some of you have been afraid at night. and That's going to be broken today. Some of you have been afraid to try because you feel unqualified. That's going to be broken today. In the name of Jesus, some of you are afraid to such a degree that you've surrendered and said, it's, I'm stuck here. God saying, no, my son, no, my daughter. I've given you a spirit of power, love, and a sound mind. You're not stuck. I'm going to take you beyond the present to the future and the hope that I've seen for your life. But you've got to choose faith today. You've got to choose faith. You've got to choose to trust me. You've got to choose that my power is present and active to help you right now in the middle of what you've been dealing with. Choose to put your faith in me. That's what the Father is saying to you today. I want you to know in my life, fear lost its hold when I discovered the Father's heart for me. How much He loves me. How much He loves me. That's where the bondages were broken as I discovered His love for me. The enormity of it, its height, its depth, its width, its length. And I believe God wants to pour that on your heart right now to give you calmness, assurance, and courage today. He wants to fill you with His Spirit afresh. And there's some of you, you knew what it was to be filled with His Spirit, but you need a refilling, just like those in Acts 2 that were refilled in Acts 4. You need a refilling, and you know it. You know you need to be filled afresh with His Spirit. Here's the good news. Jesus said, if you then being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those that ask him? If you dare to ask in faith, God will fill you afresh. So I'm going to open this altar right now. Those of you that say, Pastor Angel, I want the spirit of fear's power to manipulate, to intimidate, to dominate my life, to be broken those of you that say, I know I need an infilling. I need a fresh filling of the Holy Spirit in my life. I know it. I know it. 
I can't be courageous on my own. I need that, the Holy Spirit to fill me. That's you. You know. You come forward right now. Start making your way to this altar. You know that's you. You come. 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 Come right now. Come right now. This is your moment. We're going to break fear off. This song that's going to be declared today, oh, it's, it, it emphasizes the name of Jesus being spoken. And I believe that it, as it is sung, the spirit of fear is going to be broken right now in the name of Jesus. Come on, come on. This is your moment. Come on. Jesus, Jesus.